pleasure to, to have you here talking to me. Pleasure. Pleasure to have you in our offices. Yeah. And it's a lovely office as well. It's, it's great. I was just um, saying as I walked in that uh, I've never really been in this environment, uh, you know, worked in these kind of environments, which are kind of open plan and very creative and exciting. I mean, um, tell me about how you got here, though. How, what's your story to, to now being in London? Because you're obviously not um, English uh, well, born and bred. I, I do have an English, well, a British passport, I should say. So I am an Aussie Brit now, but um, I have not managed to lose my accent after mm -hmm. after sort of 10 years here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I initially moved over, actually, 10 years ago. This is the second time I've lived here, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is my more grown-up phase. Um, I initially moved over with a role um, in a very large bank, so my background is, is finance and sort of, I guess, broad general management, if you like, and um, that brought me here 10 years ago and I ended up staying, and um, how we ended up in this very place is a rather long story, and probably shared a, over a bottle of wine, but uh, I guess the, the top line is I, I left corporate in... Um, 2010, and I've done a number of things, both um, in the consulting space and also in kind of the startup world. And now my focus is um, well, CEO and founder of a company called Workin, which um, essentially is nudge technology for teams in the talent pipeline. So we have a mentoring and career development app that companies can use um, to help support or accelerate the programs that they have in place. Mm -hmm. And so, um, going back to the start of your journey, then. So, your first when you first came over here was that your your OE that all the antipodeans do? Is it a, oh yeah, the, the very first time yeah. straight out of university. Yes, that was uh, that was a rampage on Europe, yeah. um, and I guess in see, seeing and in enjoying the sights and um, living somewhere different. I mean, I think Australians are very open mm -hmm. um, and and are, are big travellers, and so this is this is a part of how you kind of develop and after. Studying, it makes sense to go and see how the real world works. And um, for me, that wasn't about moving straight into, say, your typical graduate program. It was actually at that point even I started a business to fund my travels, um, and you know had a great time um, in a very uh, unstructured and rambunctious way. Uh, and then decided to get back into kind of um, a serious work and moved into the corporate world. So I went back to Australia to to sort of start that that journey. And so that move into the corporate world, um, I mean, why did you, you choose corporates? Because if you started a company at the beginning, mm. um, and, and obviously it was successful because you funded some travel with it. Yeah, well, it was um, successful enough. Enough, yeah. <laughs> it was good enough. So, yeah, yeah. So why did you then decide to to, um, to move into the corporate world after that? I think, I mean, I, I come from a family, a very entrepreneurial family, um, but after university I did feel it was important to... Well, I guess understand both both sides um, of business, both kind of the, the smaller side as you're, you're, you're building and growing something and also, you know, a larger corporation, which is, you know, so important to a, you know, a economy um, of, of a country, for example. So I did want to understand exactly how they worked and, and also be part of that. I mean, I, I think I knew it was also a really excellent training ground to sort of even start to, you know, and balance out the resume. So whatever I wanted to do, because at that point I was, um, well, I guess I, I didn't really know. I was sort of still toying with the idea of being a professional jazz musician in the back of my head. <laughs> so um, I just felt it was important to have different experiences and, and the corporate world needed to be one of those for me. Mm -hmm. And so what did you, you start in your career in the corporate world? In the corporate world, I actually started in the, um, the energy sector. Yeah. 
and I was um, in Queensland at the time, the, I guess the sector was uh, deregulating. And so it was essentially about working with um, one of the big incumbents there to help them look at um, what was new product development, so new revenue streams that weren't just about core energy offering mm. that could help um, help them be more competitive in a deregulated market. So uh, because I'd done lots, I had run a business before that, I'd travelled and, and had sort of varied experience, that's the point I, I sort of jumped into one of these junior product development roles, if you like, um, rather than going, say, traditional on the graduate route, I guess they were looking for a creative thinker. Again, the jazz musician coming yeah. through, um, you know, with some structured knowledge. So, um, yeah, that's where I started. So, so product development um, is, is is one of the, the core areas of my background as well. And so how long was it in your career before you then sort of first, would you say, started to take a kind of a leadership position or a, a management role? Um, I think it was probably about, uh, I'm just doing the rough calculations here, it was probably about four years, um, almost five. I mean, I was very lucky um, after working in energy, I um, started to move into financial services via a kind of bit of an odd route, but, you know, I ended up there. And, um, you know, I was, I was very fortunate with some of the big projects and products I was taking to market to, um, you know, to be recognised as someone who, who had potential to, to take the next step and... Um, it was really at ANZ. I had, I guess, my first sort of senior manager role where I was leading a team of, of 50 people and involved in a very large transformation, you know, project as well. Uh, so budget and people and transformation, all those, those key areas. But it did happen quickly um, and uh, I was lucky in that sense. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful for that because it did set me up for, for what I'm doing now. So that first role then, just to be sure, was that you, you moved from... So managing no one to managing fifty people overnight. Yes. Yeah. So what was the what was the challenge around that then? How how did you find you know you wake up one morning and suddenly fifty people are looking to you to well, <laughs> what to do? I mean, how does that how does that feel then? Look, I mean, I think it was fine. I mean, purely because you know so much of my professional background had involved um, being involved or leading teams and projects. So you know those types of skills naturally you know, translate into a larger um, leadership role, if you like, where you have more of the, the traditional direct reports and their direct report structure. Um, so, I mean, I felt great. I was up for, you know, jumping in the deep end and, and was support. I mean, I was lucky to have um, some fantastic leadership above me too, where they were investing in um, the skills of their new leaders as well. So it wasn't just being sort of thrown into this opportunity. Um, we were supported. There was coaching in place. Um, and I mean, think for me... That time at ANZ was really some of the best best training I've actually ever had, and it really did set a well, set a foundation for, you know, what happened in kind of you know years to come. Yeah. So, um, um, remembering those days, where do you feel challenged in at the beginning? Did you actually feel challenged, or did you feel that it was okay for you, or did you? Um... Well, I mean, I. Um, I've always played sort of a high-risk, high-return game. Anyway, yeah. you know, put it all on black. Um, so, I mean, I I think you know. My personal style um, responds well yeah. <laughs> to that, so I mean, I was I was well up for that. So, um, and I felt that having that that stretch goal and that challenge really allowed me to develop quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I loved it. Is that how you then approach the rest of your your career and life? Is just you know this kind of willingness to go out and, and get something and, and grab it and run with it? Pretty much. Pretty much, that's you know, it's a it's a all or nothing approach, and but I also think life's a bit too short not to be 
really loving and enjoying what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I seek to kind of be in those environments where, where it is rewarding and I am being challenged and, um, and that challenge being happening on a num- number of levels. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any time then running through the career where that approach hasn't kind of worked out for you? Um, not really. I mean, I, I've certainly done things where I, I look back on as I've been building out new concepts and ideas and I've had some passion projects and I think because, you know, I've had a lot of force around, hey, we're going to make this work, that doesn't mean that necessarily is going to be a, a great commercial opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, my learning from that is, yes, you have to enjoy what you're doing, but actually if you're going to build it as a business, there needs to be that that product market fit too. It's not just enough to mm-hmm. be having some wins. They need to be the the right wins. And I guess, you know, over time you learn how that works and you're, you know, you're more zen about the time it takes yeah. to do things. You understand what needs to be done. You understand what a great commercial model looks like. And what was, what would you class as your, your kind of um, biggest failure or not quite your biggest success then that you've had in your career? Um, well, I'm such an optimist, so you know. I, I mean, I think they're they're all learnings. Um, I mean, I think most entrepreneurs refer to um, these moments more as pivots these days. That tends to be the <laughs> the we'll label it as something else. Yeah. The, yeah. the positive language. I mean, I don't feel like actually professionally there's been a big failure. I feel like there's been some catalyst for change for me mm-hmm. in understanding where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be doing and how that was a really good thing. Um, you know, when I eventually left um, banking in 2010, I left it to pursue essentially a passion project I'd started up. And the reality is that project was never going to be the thing that led me to, well, it did lead me eventually, but that project itself wasn't the commercial venture I'm, I'm leading right now, but it was absolutely the catalyst I needed to see the world a little bit differently compared to, say, the, the corporate black and white. So I don't think... I mean, I can't think of a specific failure. I just think that there's been a couple of interesting kind of doors that I've opened up and walked through that have led me to an unexpected outcome. Mm-hmm. And so then looking at taking opportunities then, it, it sounds like you, you take opportunities. Yeah. Um, how do you decide not to take an opportunity then? Because a, a, a lot of what happens with people is that they they take too many opportunities or they're, they're too wide and they're grabbing everything else. So how do you decide, well, this is the opportunity I'm going to take? Well, I mean, if so right now I have a very singular focus in, in, in what that looks like. Because I think as you're, you're building a business, there are so many ways that you, know, you can go essentially. Um, and I guess really for the last three years, my singular focus has been I am not going to do things unless they are essentially going to lead to us building our business and, you know, have an interaction with what my customers or my future customers are. And that's been kind of part of my decision matrix because we are B2B mm-hmm. and what's ultimately important is growing the business and helping these organisations change. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be how I make a decision now um, and and how I, how I use my time because mm-hmm. it's, it is so limited and I do want to also have a life and you know have personal relationships as well mm-hmm. so that's that's how I tend to look at opportunities right now if they're going to actually take take our business forward and I try to be quite um, clear about that so um, thinking about uh, you know kind of why do you do it why, I mean, why do you get up in the morning what, what is it that, that drives you um, every day so 
I mean, I guess, you know, there is a very long story about sort of how I got here and, and, um, and, and the corporate world and sort of going through a passion project, which had nothing to do with what I'm doing now. But um, I think when you're building and running a business, you have to be very clear about why it is, obviously, that the, you do it. And for us and myself and my, my co-founder, the focus is really around, um, well, we believe that actually um, the, the mix of who's running our global organisations needs to change. Yeah. And that needs to be a more diverse mix, starting with gender, but actually certainly not limited to gender. Um, that could even be things around introvert, extrovert mm-hmm. over time. But you know, we believe that actually this, if we could get the mix, well, if we could change the mix, it is that that it's going to fundamentally have an impact on so- social, economic and political change, essentially, because you know, so much is driven by the corporate world. And you know, that is the bit that drives me forward because we're working with these global organisations to help them change who is in a leadership role or help them see for example, women in their talent pipeline more clearly and get their leaders to support them. Um, And so for us, it's about helping them have real action rather than being a marketing campaign or we've signed up to something, what is the action they're actually doing? And that's what our technology focuses on. So the fundamental change is that is the stuff we want to impact, changing who's who's running these organisations. And so that that diversity as a a value, basically, is is what you believe in. So is that value of diversity, is that been with you throughout your whole life or is it something you developed you know after you've been in the corporate world and then this is not quite how I see see the world you know uh, unfolding and I need to change it um I think well I mean I certainly had some great experiences in the corporate world and some great mentors and sponsors um but the reality is it's still not a fair and balanced place Mm. and I mean I think you know, as a as a as a professional, someone who's actually you know been in senior leadership roles, and even looking at it objectively, we're a little bit sick of hearing the business case for all this stuff. You know, the X, you know, the twelve trillion it's going to add to the global economy. I mean, all of this work is done. All of the numbers are there, and you know, I think there's just that still that fundamental shift around changing this number into real action that people are doing. That, that, that moves us forward. So um, I think there's certainly, I think kind of on the third wave, like we knew there was a problem and now actually we know the value of getting that problem right. But the next piece is actually what do we do? What do we actually get our people doing to solve this stuff? Mm-hmm. And that's really where, where we sit. And, um, you know, there's just literally so much you know, we can, we can do. And, um, you know, you just have to look at the stats of, you know, the breakdown of the city here in London to know there's still a problem with women not progressing through to leadership positions. So if you take the, um, the Treasury's Women in Finance Charter, that was a result of, you know, Jane Ann Guardia from Virgin Money doing a review on the industry, and it's actually that women are not progressing through to senior roles. So fundamentally, we know that's a problem. We know the numbers are there. I just know we need to do something that actually changes it, so we focus on this idea of action, essentially. Um, I'm interested about the passion project now, because you've talked about it so much, um, <laughs> so, so I, I don't think I can let it go. So what was the passion project that, that you, you left Corporate World for? It, it's funny, because it was happening while I was in Corporate World, hence, you know, it was a, a, a passion project. But, I mean, I've um, always been a great believer that, um, you know, when you bring you know, great people together, great things happen, and I had a real love, and still do, a real love and interest in, in food and drink, 
And um, at that time, I also met my um, my co-founder who had the same passion. I thought that I might want to buy a vineyard. I thought Sudbury Estate had a great ring to it. And I was very interested in wine. It does, doesn't it? And uh, and 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 wanted to make cheese, and so I said, naturally, we should put the the dairy um, on the vineyard, and we'll do the cheese and the wine together. Um, and that was just, you know, drink up. You know, just we had that conversation after a few drinks, and um, where we got to is we ended up taking that interest and love and turning mm-hmm. it into basically a new take on what um, I guess your your wine evenings used to be, but bringing together a really interesting crowd from. Of the financial and professional sector and creative industries, and we said there's a really interesting group of people coming together, understanding a little bit more about wines. So there was a learning component, um, and then that started just to blow out into something completely um, experiential. And we found ourselves on the cutting edge of this movement that was happening in London at the time, working with some of the best artists and designers and chefs and mixologists. Um, because we were generally really interested in it, it was you know something that um, was very different to the day job, and um, you know we even had a theatre troupe working with us. It was like it was out of control, um, and really it was that that kind of got me looking at the world in a completely different way, and sort of um, allowed both of us to be quite creative and you know pull together a community mm-hmm. and and generally have a good time, but build this you know this this working relationship and. Um, and that's really where it started. So, um, yeah, it was radically different to what I'm doing now, but actually all of those elements of, elements of how you build a great community and what you need to do to, um, you know, it's well, pretty complicated without going into too much detail. A lot of those learnings did pull through into the technology we built because it does still promote kind of online to offline connection too, and that human interaction is still really important. So nothing was wasted and we had... A very good time doing it, but it was it was it was the catalyst I needed, which got me looking at the world in a different way, rather than staying on what was looking like a very good, you know, corporate um, career path at that time. So obviously, so changing then and going um, from that corporate career path, you know, like you just said, it was a very good, stable corporate career path. So you gave something up there. And, and, you know, a lot of things that we suffer with, we suffer with this aversion to loss. Oh, yeah. So how did you, how did you cope with that? How do you think, right, I'm going to put that to one side and, and take on something new that's untried, untested. I might not even make any money at this, um, but at least I might be able to drink and eat well. <laughs> well, I did have, oh, I had a very good time. I mean, I think um, essentially I changed my relationship to money and, and time. And, I mean, one of the things that... You know, is obviously a shock to the system. Is a regular paycheck coming in every month, which is you know very helpful for just living. But if you can view um, life more in terms of time and the flexibility you have around that, uh, that is kind of the biggest change. And it's definitely one I've I've really enjoyed. And it's also allowed us to look at this business quite differently because how we support flexible working, how we support remote working, um, with the continual pursuit of being you know truly an outcome focused organization um all of that 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 personal learning for me was was really valuable because we had to do things quite differently and we still continue you know down that path but that that really is the biggest change if you talk about loss you you change kind of that that secure regular um lovely income (laughs) 
for something ir- irregular and um, unknown. Yeah, but I think more rewarding. I mean, look, for me too, that experience, um, and I've only really reflected on this more recently, and that this is, this is absolutely more about me, but in kind of the spirit of, of diversity, in doing something quite creative, I mean, I was also going through, a, you know, a, a journey of coming out at that same time, and I didn't feel like that was a journey I wanted to have mm-hmm. within the corporate world. So, being immersed in a very different um, group of people who looked at the world in a very different way, or at least were more open about that uh, consistently, was certainly very appealing and attractive, and allowed me to go through, you know, personally what I needed to at that that point. So, you know. I think all of these things happen for a number of reasons um, in life as well. That you, you know, in retrospective, you sort of start to join the dots, and yeah. it's only really recently I've had some some clarity about that. So you never really had this kind of career path set out for yourself, did you? Or do you think you know by this age I'm going to be here? By this age I'm going to be here? You kind of just took opportunities as they came up and and said I, I'm going to run with that. Yeah. Look, I think. I am someone who's very open um, to the world and where it may go. However, I did come across my, um, you know, year 12, uh, what is it? Yearbook. Yeah, the yearbook, that's right. The picture was horrific. Uh, And I was looking at what I'd written because you could sort of um, say where you thought you'd be in 10 years or something. And and I said that I'd be, you know, the CEO of Sony Music Australia. And I think because... I was very involved in the music industry in Australia anyway, and I, I knew that, and um, I can't even remember whether I was sort of serious or not. But I do think doing things, you know, outside of just your country of birth is, is, is really interesting, and once I kind of started to have a bit more of a global outlook, I think the path really did change, and where I saw opportunities really did change, rather than it being... I need to be at this role by by this age. I mean, I haven't really been that person, but I am up for a challenge and um, and going hard after it when I'm really enjoying it. And so, changing sort of the subject, think about leadership. Really, um, if I went around the office and asked people, you know, what who you are and, and the kind of person you are as a leader, what mm-hmm. do you think they would say? Um, so, I think. Um, well, only because I've heard this recently, one of my team has been describing me as, as this. Um, I mean, they do talk about me being quite irreverent, so not the traditional kind of style of a leader, but still very... I mean, I I would think they'd say very passionate and um, with healthy levels of rage. We talk about good rage, so the things that, you know, when people come and work for us, the things that give you the rage, the things that you want to change. And I think, you know, you can use that to channel it into something so so powerful. And, and good as well at what's it, it is sometimes what projects us forward um, but yeah and hopefully inspiring because you know working in a business like this um, and and what our, our bigger kind of goal is you you fundamentally have to believe in it as well I don't think we have people that are just here for the paycheck so I think people are really bought into the vision and um, and, and moving with us on that that journey so, yeah, they'd probably say completely full-on as well. <laughs> you said um, that, you know, they wouldn't say you have a traditional style. So do you believe there is a kind of a style of leader, that, that there's a mould, that you know, a gauge for leadership, or is it something different for you? I think, um, I mean, if I think about the journey and how I've reflected on leadership too and even what I look for in people, uh, and this is thanks to kind of some great mentoring that, that I've had, it is really, you know, some of the, well, two of the, the big areas are around this idea of your um, ability to deal with ambiguity and also your ability to influence people. 
and, and take them on that journey. So I think great leaders have both of those things and then their sort of personal style wrapped around that. And, and look, quite frankly, I mean, we, we here, we have a no dickhead policy as well. Like, we really, I do think there's some value in kind of treating people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter technically how good you are at something. If you're going to be that, yeah. then you're probably not a fit for us. Well, you're probably, you're not a fit for us because, you know, we want to create an environment where, you know, generally people do, do get along and, and no amount of technical skill is worth sort of bad behaviour, um, essentially. So, um, yeah, I guess with regards to leadership style, I do believe there's huge amounts of difference. I do think there's huge amounts of training out there that actually can help you learn how to embrace some of these principles. I think some people are more naturally um, leaders in the sense they might be better people persons, people, better people people, I should say, uh, to start with. But I think a lot of this stuff, you know, can be learned as well if, if someone really wants that and has that, that intention. So during this this time, and you mentioned you, you were mentored a couple of times, um, what was the thing that, that you found out about yourself that, that was uncomfortable then in, in mentorship and coaching and leadership? Um, I, I have one fabulous uh, woman who's been involved in my life professional journey for, for a long time. And I remember when I first started, and I, I was actually working for her, and uh, the relationship did turn into a mentoring one as well. And she said to me... Um, two things I was sort of thinking about kind of the roles and she said I said she said where do you want to go I said well it's probably like a COO role I guess it's will end up and she sort of challenged me and said well why wouldn't it be CEO and I thought right okay well I just hadn't thought about that firstly and then just some other like critical feedback as she said to me uh, a later point you know Haley, you don't you just don't do the things that you don't like <laughs> and and she's right and um I, uh, you know, we had an interesting conversation around that, and I think there's there's value in that. And certainly, building your own business, there's so many things you have to do that you don't want to as well. Yeah. It's just about being hands on at every every point. But then, um, I do think it's about focusing actually where your strengths are to grow something and build a business rather than closing out every gap or weakness or the things that you may not want to do. But you know, I think it's it's a balance. But I've always. I've always reflected on on that, and it was you know some great um, great clear feedback, both around kind of what I could be, and maybe some of the stuff I I could also be doing to be that type of person as well. So, what are the the things about um, think about women women in leadership? What are the things you think women can do to improve their chances of becoming leaders uh, in companies, and the things they can do to go improve their skills that are out there? So. Um, there's a couple of things. I mean, I think uh, the biggest thing is this idea of, you know, visibility and access. So, and, you know, I hate talking about the same stuff all the time because there's so much of it out there around, you know, women will just do a good job and hope they're, they'll be noticed. But I genuinely believe that, I mean, you do have to, there's a, there's a big part of owning your, your career journey as well. And whilst it may not come naturally, as a woman, you do need to be thinking about, you know, Am I visible? Am I, you know, am I kind of being, am I having the opportunities to engage with, you know, the right levels of people in the organisation who are making decisions about, you know, my career? Because, I mean, it's always a balance of both, isn't mm-hmm. it? You sort of, the content and the stuff that you're delivering along with kind of who actually knows that it's you that you're delivering. Yeah. So it's really thinking quite critically about those opportunities. And that does not mean you have to be, you know, networking every night. Um, but it does mean you have to make 
probably a couple of clear decisions about where it is worth spending some time. And by no means am I talking about presenteeism, because I also think that is a huge, huge issue in the corporate world. Um, I think sometimes it affects one gender more than the other, but I won't, I won't go into that. Um, but I think it's just making some critical decisions about what might be the best use of time when, with whom, um, and, and that is kind of a, a great way to look at it. I mean, from a technology perspective, this is the sort of stuff we've actually built in to our product because we believe we need to make it really easy for senior leaders and managers to actually see these women and then actually be doing something for them. So, you know, a lot of our tech focuses on that, but it's not, you know, we're solving one small piece mm. and kind of nudging that behaviour forward. Um, there's also, I guess, the appetite of the individual to want to do a few things or just think differently about it to actually help them help them advance. Because I do, I mean, women make fantastic leaders and we need to get that mix um, better. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely believe women do make fantastic leaders. Well, you're doing these podcasts, you yeah, must. I do, yeah, I, do, yeah. <laughs> I, I do it in my job is, is, is helping them um, you know, become leaders. But I find that, that point there where you say owning their own work, I mean, some of my, uh, my clients, they don't, they don't go out and own their own work. In fact, they're a little bit too passive when it comes to saying, no, this is mine, I did this, and, you know, and I need to show this off. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think that, that that's a problem for women sometimes? So, I mean, I think, you know, yes, there's been some, um, there's been some research around kind of the, the gender differences and how we communicate. I actually think generationally, though, that is changing. Mm-hmm. If you look at how comfortable younger generations are with sharing their, their journey, mm-hmm. essentially. So I, I do think we will probably see a, a large shift um, over the next few years because it's already happening um, at those, those younger le- levels as, um, as people enter the workforce. And I think that's, I think everyone's just using technology in a different way compared to, say, our generation. Yeah. Um, so, look, I'm not sure. Um, the research is that, you know, women actually wait and wait to be recognised. Um, but I think, as I mentioned before, it is just about being aware of that and being able to show it. And also I think it's, it's personality styles too, but sometimes we have this tendency to actually wait till it's the perfect finished product. Yeah. And I read a... Oh, well, I haven't read it all yet, but I started reading it. It's a, a book called Show Your Work. Um, I've just completely gone blank on who the author is. Mm-hmm. But it just got me thinking about... Um, you know how important it is to kind of share your journey sometimes and not wait till it's the end product and by sharing your journey if you want to make it professional that's not about necessarily what you're eating for breakfast if you're not working in the food industry but it is about actually showing what you're building showing um, you know how your thoughts are developing on a particular you know topic for example and I think there's there's huge power in that mm. and I think anyone can can you know draw from that example and you can, you know, you can take that theory and be sharing it on things like Twitter and Instagram, for example. It's a, an easy way to, to push things out. Not that I believe that's the solve yeah. for, for everything that you, you know, of the question you asked. Um, but I think, I think that has been the case. I think it's certainly not the case in younger generations. And, and where it is, I think there's something about just making sure, yeah, you're sharing your work, showing your work and the journey rather than waiting till this perfect, finished, polished project or product because the reality is to get to that end point, it's pretty hard. Yeah. So I always um, finish the podcast by just asking what your best advice is for um, 
any woman that's, that's listening to the podcast and wants to, to take a step up into management or leadership and maybe is a little bit unsure about it or, or wants to know what the things, are, strategies and tactics they can do to, to improve or improve their chances? I think, um, well, my advice would just be, you know, just do it, ask for it, um, you know, look at the role you want, speak to the person in that role, ask them how they did it. I mean, really, I think, particularly within the corporate world, if you're in the corporate world, most people are, are quite open to that idea. If you're building your own business, um, again, other successful entrepreneurs are also usually pretty open with the journey they've been on. I know I've certainly reached out to a few and um, had some great gems that I could apply directly to the choices I was making um, around business. But at the end of the day, you do have to step through the door, and I think um, you need to look at where you want to go, pinpoint that, and and talk to that person around how they got there, because it's usually something quite specific if it's industry um, specific. Um, but there's also making sure your hat's in the ring, and people know that you're there, and and that you do sort of speak up and, and ask for the opportunity. Great. So um, thank you very much for, for talking to me today. It's been uh, lovely speaking to you. Um, a very and, and I think I, you are inspiring, and there's a lot of energy there. So I mean, I want to come work. Always hiring. Always hiring. So, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's, it, it's been really good talking to you, and I wish you all the best in the future. Thanks, Gary. Thanks. Cheers. Hello. So, thank you for getting to the end of the podcast i'm uh, really happy you got this this far this is just my little begging segment sometimes at the end of the podcast where i just say uh sharing is caring um if you can share this um uh, podcast episode on your social media channels um i'll be you know hugely grateful um uh, a whale will will be saved um a dolphin will be saved um climate change will will be solved um obviously none of those things will happen happen but I'd be really happy if you could if you could share it. Um, just helps me out to get uh, this message out to a larger audience. So, thank you for doing that. And um, yes, again, thank you for listening. Cheers.